The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. If you notice on the radio, Labor Day weekend for some reason is a time that the radio stations love to do what they call a throwback weekend. All the old jams. So already this weekend, I've done this. Hey, all right. Whoop, there it is. Who let the dogs out? Stop. Collaborate. And thank you. I got one vanilla ice fan in the auditorium. You know what? There's one thing that all those songs have in common. And it's that. It's the number one. They were a number one at the top of the charts. But they were also a one-hit wonder. They had a record that rocked the world at the start. And then we never heard from them again. And I'm sure that's not what they signed up for. Yeah, sign me up to be somebody who will be forgotten. Nah, and this is what I studied in school. I I can tell you some of these one-hit wonders were probably a product of some pretty deceptive record deals from the music industry back then. They had a way of creating deals that was only in the best interest of the company. We've been studying the life of Joshua throughout this series that we conclude called The Struggle Israel, and it is real. His struggle was Israel, his country, his nation, the Israelites. And if he was, the, if he was an up-and-coming pop star, he would know about one of these deceptive deals because he found himself in one. So we've been looking at his life. I'm going to take you into some scripture. We're going to go into Joshua chapter 9. Let me give you a little bit of backstory. Joshua has been tasked with clearing out the land that God has promised for his people. Anybody like promises from God? I know I do. Okay? And this is what they were promised, but Joshua had to lead the nation and lead the armies and go in and annihilate the neighboring countries and cities that were there. And so obviously, he's already been successful. And one of these cities that was nearby was called Gibeon. And when they heard that Joshua had a mean game, that he could sweep you in four games in a seven-game series, they got afraid, as they should. And they said, oh, not us. They started singing, why can't we be friends? So they came up with this idea. If we go to him and ask, can we be an ally, and he realizes that we're a neighboring country, he won't let us. He might get rid of us right on the spot. So they cooked up this story to try to make it look like they lived farther away than what they did. So they go into the fridge, and they get blue cheese that used to be ranch. It was old. They went and they got moldy bread. Who keeps that around? I don't know, but they just happened to have like a moldy bread stash. Okay, so they pulled moldy bread. They put, they put their wine in what was called old wineskins. You could tell it was worn. It was like leather. You could tell it was worn out because they were trying to cre- create this image that they actually lived further away so they could fool him. So they go to meet Joshua and the Israelites, and they give him their story. Hey, we, we live so, so far away. We'd never be a threat to you. Can we please be one of your allies? Here's what we pick up. So the Israelites examined their food. They looked at the situation at hand. That's a smart thing to do. Look at what you're about to get into, right? They examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. 
And what you need to know is that this part of the equation is exactly how Joshua has been winning thus far. It's vital. It's crucial. But he omitted that process. Okay, so then Joshua goes ahead and he makes a peace treaty with them and he guarantees their safety. And the leaders of the community, they ratified the agreement with a binding oath. Here comes the drama. Three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually did live nearby. So the Israelites set out at once to investigate, and when they reached their town in three days because it was nearby, what do you think is about to happen? They probably should get what they deserve. But the Israelites did not attack the towns. The Israelite leaders had made a vow to them in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So the people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. You ever get started in something and it starts to take its course and have second feelings about it? Maybe even come a little disappointed that you'd made the decision? But the, it, but the leaders replied, since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. I mean, this, this looked like a good idea in the beginning. Why not make peace with somebody, right? This is a, this is a good idea. Why, why not? Why not make peace? And then let's translate that to us. Why not? Why not date? Why not fall in love? Why not marry? Why not start a family? Why not do well at my job. Why not take more responsibility? Why not go back to school? Why not? This was a good thing up front. And then, when he realized what it really was, what it was going to entail, they didn't want it anymore. My senior year of high school, I was determined, which was only just a few years ago, my senior year of high school, I was determined that I was going to do better than I ever had. This was going to be my year. I was going to, I had never really done like, I never been, been on the honor roll consistently. I was going to make this happen this year. And I was going to do it and get ready for college. And I was, I was a sports junkie, so I was probably thinking I was going to get into sports medicine. So I needed this class, maybe you heard of it, AP, Human Anatomy. Now back then, it got you ready for college. Nowadays, I don't really know. Maybe that's two steps behind. But I'd signed up for this class, and it wasn't easy to get into. And I wanted this class, and I signed up for it, and I got into it, and when everybody else handed in their first assignment, I handed in my deuce. I was out. I went right to the guidance office, like, you gotta get me out of here. When I saw how much reading and research and writing, like who puts that in a class? When I saw how much of that was in this class, I was like, I can't handle this. You gotta get me out. I mean, my guidance counselor, he pushed against me a little bit, but I, I eventually got my way, and I got out of the class. We only want to keep to the course when it's convenient. Just ask America if you don't believe me. We have a 44% job turnover rate in America. I'm out. The teachers, we celebrated them. I'm just curious, I wanna see the, how many of the, raise your hand teachers, be brave. Let me see my teachers all the way across. We have a good bit of teachers in here. God bless you. 
What a year you're having. Teachers, you know this, especially high school teachers, when we've had countless ninth grade students start this year off, 25% of them, 25% of them will not graduate. 25%, a quarter of all our students that we launch in the high school will not finish their commitment. I'll have the honor and privilege of marrying a couple this month. I love doing weddings. And I want you to know, according to America's numbers, that on the same day that this couple will pledge their love till death do they part, 2,400 couples in that day will divorce. We want to stay the course when it's convenient. And none of us want to be like a, a one-hit wonder. None of us want to do that. None of, us, none of us want to be here and then gone. None of us want to be a one-hit wonder parent. Maybe my dad will be there. I don't know. None of us want to be a fair-weather friend. None of us want to be marked with the badge of inconsistent, unreliable, flaky, gone. None of us want that. And if you're here and you're indifferent, you're like, well, I don't really know. Just wait until you are the recipient of somebody being unfaithful to you, and then you will know you don't want to be that. We do want to be faithful people, people of our word, people that keep our promise, people that are there, that are steadfast. We want to stay the course. But to do it, you have to stay the course even when it's coarse. Yeah, if you know one thing about me, y'all know I love a play on words. This is, this is what I mean by course. Y'all know what this is. Can y'all see this? It's sandpaper. L listen to it. Don't you want to sleep on that? We got to stay the course even when it becomes coarse. When it pushes against our emotions and our stress levels and our fears and our desires and our willpower, when it's painful, when it's uncomfortable. We gotta stay the course even when it's coarse. It's, it's definitely difficult to keep our word. It's difficult to keep our word when it's time to pay the price of our promise. It's hard to be faithful when we're fed up. That's why I want to dive into something real quick. That's why it's so important that we don't ever skip the step that Joshua skipped. If you remember in the first verses, it says that he did not consult the Lord. He did not seek his advice. He did not see what he thought. And it's not something that was foreign to Joshua, just like it's not foreign to a lot of us here. We, we do this, but we can get comfortable and we can skip crucial steps like he did. And so I'll just take a moment in the middle of this sermon and just ask you, are you consulting the Lord? Are you going after God? Are you asking him, God, I got somebody that's trying to holler at me in my DM. Should I, should I talk back to them? Should I date them? Should I date them again? Should this be more serious than this? God, it's time to choose my major and where I'm going to college. Should I go here? Should I go there? God, it's time for me to get a, a new vehicle. Do I get the brand new one? Do I get one that's maybe just a couple years? You, what do I do? Are you inviting God? Are you seeking God? 
in your major decisions. Because God wants us to be the kind of person that once we make that commitment, that we keep it. Once we join the program, we stay in it. Once we tell someone we'll be there, we're there. That's who he wants us to be. So if you're going to get into something that's going to have attachment to it, you better know it's something that he wants you in. If Joshua would have asked God, God, should we do this? Should we, should we partner with these, with these folks over here? I know he would have gave him a different answer because Joshua already had his command about what to do. But let's just say for a moment, because God is like this, let's just say for a moment when he asked that God gave him the liberty to choose. I don't know if you know this or not, but God gives you liberty to choose. You know that? That's the kind of God he is. Just like my parents in here. You give your, you give your kids, you give them an option to choose, unless some of you are just like, no. But along the way, they're going to have to choose. So even if he would have given Joshua the liberty to choose, I know he would have done this. He would have told him about what this entailed, at least. He would have said, fine, but you better be ready for this. Let me show you the this. This is amazing. This is wonderful. Because Joshua and his people are already upset that they've made this arrangement. They would already like to get out of it. And here's the blessings on top of it. Let me go over to chapter 10. Let's see how things are going with the Gibeonite people in the Israelite relationship. Now, what you need to know before I get into this is that some of the other kings in the nations, don't you, don't you love when people hear about your business? How you know? I tell Some of the other kings in the nation, they knew about this relationship that the Gibeonites made with the Israelites, and they didn't like that. Probably because they were on the hit list next, and misery loves company, so if I'm getting hit, you getting hit. So they said, well, let's just get together, and let's go let them know. They can't do that. So they joined forces, and they were about to march on Gibeon and destroy them. And here comes the late-night cell phone call to Joshua. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp at Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once. Save us. Help us for all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us, hands raised of everyone who loves to deal with everybody else's problems. This is the point. I mean, this is the pain point where Josh goes, I did not sign up for this. This wasn't in the contract. You consult God because when you sign up for something, good or bad, when you sign up for something, you're not just committing to what's in the front and what you're hoping to get to at the end. You sign up for everything in between. The things you didn't know about, the baggage that you didn't know that was attached to the person. Whew. You sign up for all that. And when we get pressed against that, that, that tends to be the moment when we go, nah. Uh. So what's Josh do? So Joshua and the entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal, and they set out for Gibeon. Listen to God. This is important. Don't be afraid of them, the Lord said to Josh. I've already given, given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up against you. This is, this is vital about who we are and the kind of people that we are and what people will think about us and 
how they'll remember us and even what our legacy will be even beyond this life. One of the things that we like to do as people is we like to go back to the beginning of something. I've done this. And we like to look at how it all began. And if we can pinpoint that at the start of it wasn't right, I wasn't in my right mind, I was different then. They were different then. I assumed something different about the arrangement. We like to go back and we like to be able to say, well, because this didn't start off right, I should be allowed to get out. That, that should justify me getting out. I shouldn't have to keep this commitment. I'm sure, I'm sure Joshua felt that, especially when his people were griping against him. I'm sure he felt that. And he could have very easily been like, no, God, you, you, you know for one that I shouldn't be in this suit. Why don't you just bail me out? We want that. God, come on, get me out of this thing. That's what we sound like. Like, ah! God did bail us out, just for the record, just so we're clear. We have been bailed out. We've been bailed out from our deepest, darkest demise. God kept his commitment to creation. He bailed us out even when, our, even when we bailed on him. You see, the whole reason that we're not good at keeping commitments, keeping our word, staying in promises, is because those are all reflection of sin. The brokenness that we have as people God, God was committed to us. He was committing to keeping us as children, even though he knew the course was about to get coarse. He knew it ahead of time and still went into it. He was going to keep his commitment, even though it was going to cost him everything. Jesus kept his commitment to us, even though it cost him his life. Jesus' entire life was to come to this planet not only join us, but become one of us and die in the place of our sin. To forgive us of being people who quit when we should grow, who bail out when we should stay, who break promises that we just don't feel like we can keep anymore. So maybe you did. Maybe you did get involved in what you're involved in because it was wrong back here or it wasn't the best ideal situation. Or let's go to the extreme. You made a mistake. Joshua did. He got into this relationship and it was a mistake. And yet when he wanted to keep his word, God had his back. God said, I support you. I support you keeping your word. So even if you did make a mistake, don't make another one right now by using your mistake as your out. Your mistake is not your out, it is your up. It is your chance to grow up and become the kind of person who will stay the course even when it's coarse. Don't make another mistake. So what how, so what how this began? Do right right now. Do right right now. Your mistake is not your out. It is your up. It is your opportunity to grow up to become committed, to become faithful, dedicated, steadfast. Let me show you a verse that has steadfast in it. 2 Thessalonians 
This is what God's desire for us. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. The example of Jesus hanging in there. Literally, Jesus was hanging in there. Even when it hurt. I, I wish I could go back. I know how I said that, right? It's too late, but if, if I could have went back into my high school moment where I got out of that class, I wish I could have made my guidance counselor get a little more tougher because I charmed and finagled and whined and pouted my way out of that class. And I wish he would have kicked me, maybe even literally if it wouldn't have cost him a charge, but kicked me and said, no, you're not getting out of that, Spencer. You asked for that and you're going to go finish it. But it's just a class. Years ago, what does it matter now? It matters because that was my first adult decision of my life. That's one of the first adult decisions. My teens in here, as you guys choose your, your classes in high school, that'll be one of your first decisions. Your parents probably won't be involved in that. You'll probably make that decision on your own. And that was one of my first adult decisions, and one of the first ones I had to back up on my own. And because in that moment is one of the, the moments I can pinpoint asking to get out of something, it sent me on a trajectory of being the kind of person that would bail out, that would quit. And the first one came that same year. I dedicated my entire sports life to basketball. I cut out all my other sports, wanted to be the next MJ, and I dedicated all my time to that. So my senior year was it. This was it. This is when I was going to light it up. And when things did not go my way, you know what I did? All my love quit. Fast forward, I'm into college, because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to college. Because remember, I took an AP course to get myself ready for that. Oh, wait, no, I didn't. I quit. What do you think I did in college? I quit. What do you think I did when I ran to the next college? I quit. That sent me on a course of letting excuses and mistakes be my out. And I didn't even realize this, guys. This, was been, this has been like cathartic for me. I didn't even realize this trail until I wrote this message. I was about like, oh, my God, you were a quitter your entire life. It's not your out. I don't care what the reason why you began was a mistake. It is not your out. It is your up. It is your time to face it. Because when we're faithful to our commitments and faithful to our word and to our promises, that is faithfulness to God. And God's faithfulness back to us can turn starting off on the wrong foot into your best foot forward. He can do that. Maybe you're feeling like at the end of your rope, I've tried fighting Spence, I have, because I know that's the right thing to do, but I'm, I'm done. I got, I got no fight left in me. One of the most tangible examples I have of the reverse effect of this whole thing that was happening in my life was early in my wife and I's marriage, we bought our first brand new car. And I can tell you that it was a mistake. My car note, y'all, was more than my rent, which wasn't a lot, but still for a car payment. 
This became a financial prison for us for more than half of our marriage. And it became its worst. It became its worst in like the perfect storm of my life. We were now at three children. She was in an emotional, mental health battle of her life that I didn't know was going to happen, right? I can tell you right now, newsflash. I can tell you right now, you will never know who you marry until about six years in. So if you think with Joshua, oh, I know how I was going to fight it. Yeah, you're signing up. I was trying to go back to school again, dot, 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 hold on. We were losing money. I was on the verge of having to get ready to move back in with my mother, my entire family. And there's nothing like waking up to the sound of a tow truck out in front of your house. I come out on the front porch, and this lady must have been from the hills. There's a nice tow truck in front of my truck, and she's like, my neighbors are outside just chilling, morning spins. My neighbor, she's talking about, I got a repossession notice for Mr. Spencer Jackson. I'm like, re- re- reupholstered. Her phone started playing the chipmunk version of you had a bad day. That should have been the moment where I go, fine, take it. I want it out of it anyway, and I should have never got into it. And I don't know why, because it was just a stupid car. But for some reason, in that time, God wanted to do something different in my heart. So what, it was, it was financial. That stuff's not going to last forever, right? It's just a car. That's not going to, but it doesn't matter. That's not the part God was working on. He was working on the internal, the eternal and internal part of me that said, Spence, you, you said you were going to finish this and see this through. And it may be just a car, but if you let this go, you're going to continue to keep letting stuff go. So, all right. I said, okay. I don't know how I'm going to do it, though, God. They take it because I don't have enough money to go get it. And I don't know, I don't know if we stole it off the lot or whatever. I don't know how we did it, but we got the car back. And in just a few years, we had that bad boy paid off. It died a year later, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I know that in that moment, that was something that God was using to transform me into a quitter, into someone who's committed. Because at the same time, right around the same season that we paid that off, man, I finally graduated with a degree. Finally. And, and, and you better believe that. And, and in the, <laughs> the more important part was that was a rocky time for my wife and I. Do you think there were times that we each wanted to quit? But we're 20 years in and we're ready to double it. And I like to think that it was because in a moment when I I didn't let an excuse be my out, I decided to let it be my up that I I did right right now. And listen, you're at the end of your rope, you're at the end of your fight. Let me give you one more scripture. This is the best part about this thing. Joshua was in a battle that he wishes he wasn't in. Parts of it are things he didn't sign up for that he didn't ask for. But he wants to keep his word because that's the kind of people that God wants us to be. And so in the, in the middle of the battle, on the day that the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of the people of Israel. And he said, God, would you mind just, I need a little more time. Somebody who wasn't a one-hit wonder was the Beatles, and they had a song called Eight Days a Week. Wouldn't you like an eighth day? I know we're off tomorrow, but wouldn't you like an eighth day a week? 
And he said, God, if you don't mind, could you just give me some more time? I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I'm trying to make the most of this. I want to do right right now, but I need a little more. I just do. Would you mind hitting pause on the Bible series on Netflix and just putting the sun right there and let me, let me finish what I said I would do? You don't have enough. You don't. You don't have enough patience. You don't have enough courage. You don't have enough willpower. You don't have enough resources. You don't. But you can ask for it. And he will pause life for you. For you. To keep your commitment. To keep your word. To become the kind of person that can be faithful and trusted. He will keep it. In other words, God will meet you faith to faith. I know it sounds like a list, but let me just say, when you meet him face to face, he will meet you faith to faith. I mentioned earlier that Jesus died for us. That was only part of the story, though. When Jesus kept his faithfulness to us and to his Father's will, God said, fine, I see you and I raise you one. I'm going to raise you my son. God brought his son back to life, a miracle like Paul's in the sun in the sky. So that not only could we be forgiven of the kind of people that are broken and break promises, we can be restored to God, have everlasting life in his presence. And maybe that's your first commitment today. If you've never made that commitment to trust Jesus with your life, with your faith, and you want to do that right now, all it takes is a yes. I believe that. I believe you did that for me, Jesus. I want that. I want your promise so that I can be a person of promise. If you do that, please let us know, okay? Shoot us a text. After service, our Raise the Life team is going to be over here. You can tell them, but please let us know you made the decision to trust Jesus. The reason this is so important, that we become people who are faithful, dedicated, committed, reliable, trustworthy, is because it's not about any of these things. It's not about keeping your financial commitment. It's not about staying the course in class. It's not about being a teammate forever. This is so important. It's even beyond your marriage that you should keep your promise to. Yes. It's because those type of people are the type of people that God can entrust things to. Things that will matter beyond this life. I want to be the kind of person that God can trust me to build something beyond this life. But I had to become... And I'm still, I'm still going there. I had to become the person who would say yes and be there. Keep his promise and be there. Even though I didn't sign up for this, I'll be there. I don't want to skip the step that Joshua skipped. He forgot to consult God. I don't want to skip that. Can we consult God right now? Can we pray right now? God, thank you so much for keeping your commitment to people who didn't deserve it, people like me. God, it's because of your commitment to us that we can have eternal life and forgiveness. And I thank you for anyone who's made that decision today. God, would you make us people of commitment, people of faithfulness. We will be there like you will be there. We will be a representation to this world of how you keep promises and they're steadfast and stand by your word, even when the course becomes coarse. God, someone's heart right now needs a, a stop of the sun in the sky. They do. They need it. I need it. They need more. They need more. God, would you provide it? If they're crying out to you right now, like, God, give them the strength, the patience, the belief, the resources, the time. God, whatever it is, give them whatever they need to keep the commitment they made. Now we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.